this week's UN Catch-Up, we enter the murky world of so-called intelligent military drones amid concerns about their proliferation. In an interview with the United Nations Institute for Disarmament Research, also an alert over Africa's third COVID wave, a UN report likening drought to a new pandemic, and a warning over the plight of millions of domestic workers from the UN labour agency ILO. Stay with us too for closing comments from regular guest Solange Bejotegui-Cortez. Thanks for listening. First, the news. Domestic workers globally have been among the hardest hit by the COVID crisis, losing more jobs and working hours than other sectors, the UN Labour Agency ILO said on Tuesday. ILO Director General Guy Ryder insisted that despite real progress in labour laws and social security provision in some countries in the last decade, these essential service providers had rarely been so vulnerable in many others. New ILO data shows the number of domestic workers in the second quarter of 2020 fell 25 to 50 percent in most Latin in American and Caribbean countries, and by 70% in Peru, compared with pre-pandemic levels. Countries need to take action because 8 in 10 domestic workers are informally employed and therefore lack legal and welfare protection, the ILO chief said. Many domestic workers are migrant workers, so their status inside a country can be called into question if they lose their job. Many domestic workers live in employees. They could lose their lodgings where they live if they lose their job as well. Drought is on the verge of becoming the next pandemic, the UN's top official for disaster reduction said on Thursday in a call for new transboundary alliances to tackle the growing threat. The appeal from Mami Mitsutori, the UN Secretary-General's Special Representative for Disaster Risk Reduction, came as the UN agency she heads warned that drought affects more people than any other slow-onset disaster. Here's Ms Mitsutori now. Within the next 80 years, 129 countries will experience increased exposure to drought due to climate change alone. So this is a global issue, something like we're seeing as a pandemic. In a new report, the UN Office for Disaster Risk Reduction said that drought already affects millions of people, not only in farming. It also impacts public water supply, energy production, waterborne transportation, tourism, health and biodiversity, all of which contribute to food insecurity, poverty and inequality. Quality. Finally, COVID-19 infections in Africa have surged by more than 20% week-on-week as the continent's third wave gains pace, the World Health Organization WHO said on Thursday. New data from the UN agency indicated that the tally is just short of the first wave peak of more than 120,000 weekly cases, which was recorded in July 2020. It said that the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Namibia and Uganda have reported their highest number of new weekly cases since the pandemic began. To date, the continent has seen more than 5 million cases of new coronavirus. The news there, and this is you in catch-up, Dateline Geneva, with me, Daniel Johnson. Now to the sinister world of autonomous weapons systems, intelligent military-grade drones, which are a concerning development on the battlefield because they raise all sorts of questions about distinction and proportionality. Both are key tenets of the rules of war. It's thought that more than 100 countries have remote-controlled military drones, and more than a third are thought to possess the largest and deadliest autonomous weapons. Ahead of a key meeting of international experts later this month, to discuss the latest developments on these artificially intelligent weapons, I chatted with Arthur Holland from the UN Institute for Disarmament Research, where he's a senior researcher in the field. Here he is now outlining the key issues at stake and explaining why this autonomous technology is only just getting started. 
Well, there are really two parts to it, driving our interest in the issue of autonomous weapons. One is that they are starting to see real world use in conflict zones around the world. This is something that is no longer purely science fiction. The other side to it is that our research is showing that these systems are likely to make all sorts of potentially very dangerous mistakes in use, which raises questions around peace, security, and obviously the protection of civilians. When did we last see these used? I think there was a report in Libya, wasn't there? That's right. So a UN panel of experts released a report this year that alleges that in Libya last year, uh, an autonomous loitering munition drone was used to strike a retreating column of, of soldiers and vehicles. In that case, it may be one of the first instances of a sophisticated autonomous system to carry out such a strike without human intervention. The problem though, is that there are very few details about that actual incident. And there's a lot of ambiguity as to the technology involved and, and what it actually did on the ground. Do you have any numbers? Do you know how many of these lethal autonomous weapon systems are out there? Part of the challenge is that it can be quite difficult to define lethal autonomous weapon systems. In fact, in the case of the Libya strike, there was some confusion as to whether this was indeed a true lethal autonomous weapon system. In fact, what really is the case is that there are degrees of autonomy in weapon systems. There are degrees to which these systems can make quote unquote decisions without human input. And that makes it a bit more of a gray scale than a yes or no. But we know that there are at this point, dozens of countries around the world that have either acquired or are developing weapons that have some level of autonomous capability. And there is a lot more in terms of sort of forward-looking research to develop even more sophisticated systems in the years ahead that could, in theory, execute complex tasks and even strikes without any human involvement. So what's the UN trying to do about it? Later on this month, a group of experts is meeting on these lethal autonomous weapon systems. You're going to be having some input on this, Arthur, no doubt. So the United Nations has been facilitating a group of government experts to debate these issues and try and come to some consensus recommendations for several years now. When you start to understand the science of lethal autonomous weapon systems, you start to see some of the inherent challenges. For example, as I showed in my latest report, the challenges around ensuring that the data that these systems depend on is good and how to essentially prepare for the fact that they may make mistakes because obviously the real world is not always going to give them good data. The hope looking forward is that this group of government experts will produce a solid consensus-based list of recommendations for what to do at an international level about lethal autonomous weapons and present those recommendations at the sixth review conference, the CCW, the Convention on Certain Conventional Weapons at the end of this year. Just to go back to something you said there about the data that these lethal systems use and base their so-called decisions on, can you actually recreate the conditions of war? 
that's exactly the issue. You know, we might know artificial intelligence to be very successful at, say, recommending advertisements for us on social media. But as soon as you start putting artificial intelligence in the real world, and especially when you're putting it in a conflict environment where there's all sorts of complexities, you have an enemy that is trying to mess you up in one way or the other, it becomes very, very difficult to give autonomous systems the conditions to work well and to do so predictably. And that's why research has shown that autonomous weapons could have failures, potentially dangerous failures, that are both impossible to anticipate, but also inevitable. And how about the efforts to overcome these drones? Is it likely that the response will be worse than the drones themselves? will certainly speed up the proliferation of autonomous systems. We are seeing that in many cases, the only viable way to defend against, say, a large autonomous swarm of drones is with some kind of autonomous system of your own, potentially your own swarm. So this will speed things up, certainly. But another thing that we're seeing is that, in general, we're going to begin to see more autonomy in every facet of military operations. And of course, including autonomy in other types of weapons, like say missiles, for example, ships, ground vehicles, anything that could potentially have a computer in it that could guide it towards a more precise or quicker level of action compared to a human is going to see some integration of autonomy. But again, we don't know where it's going to stick and where it might not be an appropriate application. It's one of these things where people are going to experiment a lot and and see what happens, which is obviously concerning as well. And very final question to you, Arthur, what does it tell us about our take on war and conflict and conflict resolution? Drones are part of a very, very long history of warfare becoming more and more remote. As many have pointed out, it's a story that began with the bow and arrow, which replaced in some cases the need to engage your enemy with a sword and a shield. And with each successive step of technological advancement, the distance between the person who is, say, pushing the button and the person on the receiving end of that weapon has grown wider. And so drones are just another evolution in that step. Autonomous systems are potentially revolutionary in that history in the sense that the human is removed even further and potentially doesn't have any direct input in the quote-unquote decision to shoot a missile, say, at a target. And as we all know, whenever there is something novel in history, it's a really important opportunity. Indeed, there's a need to think carefully about the implications, because there are a lot of unknowns that need to be thought about very, very carefully, hopefully before this stuff becomes commonplace on the battlefield. Arthur Hollander from the United Nations Institute for Disarmament Research. And now to wrap up the show with reaction to what we've just heard, it's time to welcome regular guest Solange Bertegui-Cortez from the Information Service at UN Geneva. Hi, Solange. How do you feel today? Hola, Daniel. Well, my cholesterol level is correct today. I am improving my English level and constantly working on my tolerance level. 
but I would never have thought that one day a machine could autonomously decide to eliminate me because of my level of danger. And on top of that, be wrong. The United Nations Institute for Disarmament Research new report describes common data bugs for autonomous systems and explains how they give rise to known and known failures. Daniel, listen to this. Do you remember it? As we know, there are no knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known and knowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know, but there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. That was the answer from a politician during a news briefing on 12 February 2002 about the existence of weapons of mass destruction. So today, what do we know about autonomous weapons? As we heard from Arthur Holland in your interview, it is no longer pure science fiction. So I don't know. We are not anymore in 2001 a space odyssey, but in 2021 lethal autonomous weapon systems. Today, a machine can decide whether a person deserves to live or not. At what level does a person become a target? Two weeks ago, we spoke about the Red Cross Museum's new temporary exhibition, Concerned, in which one of the 30 artists, Marta Revuelta, explores how facial profiling might be taken too far. Once activated, a device decides, based on an analysis of your face, how good you are at handling a weapon. How is the machine to understand that you are injured or that you no longer want to fight? Complete or incomplete data? Combatant or civilian? Target or not? Can algorithm become sophisticated enough to trigger an attack by itself? Could it err in selecting its target? We just hear that even a speck of dust on a sensor might mislead an algorithm into classifying a civilian object as a military one. So who is accountable? How much trust do we place in the algorithm that are already shaping our daily lives? I only know that I know nothing. Thanks, Solange. Sometimes ignorance is bliss, although I'm delighted that Arthur Holland and the United Nations Institute for Disarmament Research is on the case and raising awareness about lethal autonomous weapon systems ahead of the UN group of governmental experts who are consulting informally at the end of this month. Another thing, I wonder if the lethal autonomous weapons was something that Messrs Putin and Biden were discussing here in Geneva earlier this week. That is it from us then. Many thanks for your time, Solange, and to you listeners for checking in with you and Catch Up Dateline Geneva. We'll be back next week. Enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye for now. Ciao, Daniel. Hasta pronto. Thank you.